For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media right now today. I'm really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by an old friend, Darren Rouse, who is author of the book ProBlogger, and he's got a massive, massive blog. And we're going to explore how he built this mega blog with literally millions of monthly readers. And if you have a blog of any size or you desire to grow a large blog, you're going to love today's interview. I've also got an awesome discovery I'd like to share with you right now. After introducing a vegetarian diet to piranhas, look what Michael Stelzner discovered. Do you work inside of WordPress and it's not just you? Do you have an editor or do you have multiple writers? And do you find it complicated to manage all of what needs to be done to get the content produced for your blog? Maybe you don't, but maybe you will in the future. If so, you want to pay attention to this. Rather than messing around with spreadsheets and Google Docs to try to track everything, why not use this awesome plugin that I've started using called Edit Flow? Edit Flow is a plugin that allows you to do a lot of really awesome things that I wish were default built into WordPress. For example, it allows you to have for each blog post an a thread that's only visible to editors. So for example, when I go into a blog post and I alter a headline or I see something that's wrong, I can go ahead and leave a comment um, and only the people that are editors see the comment and other people that are editors can leave comments and we can have a dialogue hidden from the content itself. Back in the olden days, we would actually put comments directly into the article and sometimes they would accidentally publish. Nightmare. So if you um, want the ability to really easily communicate with writers and editors, that's just part of it. The other cool thing is it provides a searchable and sortable calendar that you can see uh, all the articles that have been written in a really easy kind of way and this is not a functionality that's built into WordPress. Another really cool thing you can do with it is the ability in the sidebar to indicate special needs of the articles. Like, for example, you can say that this article must be drafted and ready by this date, um, needs images, check mark. You can create your own custom variables. Really, really love this plugin. Now, it has not been updated since 2013, but it still works like a charm. I've noticed no real degradation or challenges at all with performance on Social Media Examiner. So check it out, Edit Flow plugin. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. 
you won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. With that, let's transition over to today's interview with Darren Rouse. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Darren Rouse. He's the world's leading authority on blogging. He's authored the book Pro Blogger and founded two popular blogs, Digital Photography School and Pro Blogger. Darren has been blogging since 2002 and his work has literally inspired millions of people. Darren, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. It's nice to be talking to you again. So today, Darren, I, Darren and I are going to explore some of the techniques that he uses to attract and engage millions on his blogs every single month. So Darren, let's start with a little bit of your backstory and what got you into blogging. Um, I know that uh, you've been blogging since 2006. And just give me a little bit of this, uh, the story. How did you get started? Yeah, it was actually 2002, November, when uh, I came across a blog for the first time. And within 30 minutes, I knew that it was a medium that I wanted to dabble in myself. Um, and so I started blogging 30 minutes later. Um, I, I had no background in technology or writing even, but I was fascinated in community and communication. And I saw blogging was a, a good way to do those, particularly at the time online. So started a personal blog and it was probably about a year and a half of blogging on that blog that I was just playing. It was a hobby um, developed a voice and developed a bit of an audience uh, to the point where I started writing about, I guess, different niche topics on that that one blog. And my audience began to push back at me and say, "That's too much." You know, you're, you're writing about photography and spirituality and movies and politics, and and so I began to split them off into different blogs and. Um, I guess what we call today niche blogging um, and began to experiment with making a little bit of money from it. And so it, it kind of evolved over a year and a half into a part-time job as traffic grew on those blogs and I began to experiment with monetizing it and uh, and then over the next year and a half grew into a full-time business. Well, I, I remember when you and I first met, which is uh, back in 2009 at Blog World, um, you've had blogs that have come and gone, right? Didn't you have a blog on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I've had about 30 blogs over that time and today I only have two. Uh, Twitip was that Twitter blog and it did pretty well but I just didn't have the time to, to really go across three different topics instead of two so let that one slip. Well, you know, um, when I said 2006 earlier, I was going to say that I started blogging in 2006 and you started in 2002 and, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, people could look at both of us and say, well, these guys have been at this for a long time. Um, is it too late for a blogger or a prospective blogger listening right now that wants to build a really big platform with blogging? What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting. When I started in 2002, I looked around at the the big bloggers and thought I was too late. <laughs> so mm. I saw all these really established bloggers and I, I, I remember wondering to myself, should I even start? Because they've got such a head start. They'd been doing it for a year or two already. But um, I certainly was able to sort of build my audience by interacting with them. And I see bloggers today, um, even um, starting now, a couple of years ago, breaking through as well. So I certainly don't think it's too late. It's certainly more cluttered and there's a lot more blogs, but that opens up opportunities as well to network and to, I think, grow faster, particularly if you can get on the radar of some of these social influences in different niches. Um, the other thing I'd say is I think, 
whilst there's a lot of people blogging today, there's nobody who has your exact set of experiences, opinions, stories, skills and perspectives and that's what uh, makes you unique um, and makes you stand out. So uh, if you can harness what you have that's unique, I think there's certainly a way to break through. Yeah, and I will just piggyback on what you said a little bit because when I started Social Media Examiner in 2009, I was very late to the game. Um, There were probably a thousand other bloggers out there that were blogging about social media at the time. And I came in, you know, pretty much as a newbie to the space. And, um, you know, I, I, I looked at all those other people blogging as marketplace justification because it said to me, well, there must be an audience out there that's interested in this topic. And like you said, I knew that I could bring my unique background to the table, uh, which is more in long form copy. And um, so, so the moral of the story is there is never, ever going to be an opportunity where it's too late to get started with anything, right? I mean, people probably have said, hey, there's a book that's been written on every topic. Why should I ever write a new book? Yet thousands come out every year, don't they? That's right. And there's, you know, in some ways, I think we're almost at the beginning of this thing uh, still. Uh, whilst blogging as, a, as a, a word may go away one day, I think people are always going to be going online for useful information. And so if you can position yourself there using a blog or something else, then, you know, the sky's the, the limit. So talk to me about Digital Photography School. What was your vision when you started it and when did you first start it? So it started in 2006. Um, One of the previous blogs that I had had was a digital camera review blog and that was really, I was writing reviews of cameras but also aggregating reviews that others had written and so building pages where you could look at all the reviews on a particular camera and then go and find them. That blog was the first commercial blog that I had and it was quite profitable it got to the point where I was making six figures a year, wow. which was kind of unheard of at that time for a blog um, and actually caused a bit of controversy when I <laughs> announced that because blogging was supposed to be pure back then. It wasn't supposed to be commercial. Mm. But I didn't find that blog particularly satisfying to write. Um, I'm not as much into the gear as I am into taking photos and helping others to take photos. And so, um, and the other thing I didn't like about that blog is that I had readers come once do their research and never come back again. I wanted to build a blog that developed a relationship with readers. And so I started Digital Photography School, one, to build a blog that was around photography that I actually enjoyed writing um, the tips and two, to build that relationship with people. It was also thirdly to really answer the questions I kept getting asked by friends. How do, how do I take pictures or how do I use this amazing camera that I never turn out of auto. So that was kind of the idea behind it. It really started very simply. I only wrote two or three times a week. I wrote all the content myself. I very much focused upon writing what we, we'd call cornerstone content or evergreen content um, and also throwing into the mix some more shareable kind of content. So I noticed after a while that there were certain types of posts that were being shared a lot on uh, social media and on other blogs. And so I mixed those into the mix as well. Um, it was on a free theme <laughs> to start with. It was very much um, bootstrapped um, and very simple, but gradually over time, it it began to rank in, in Google and, and develop a bit of a following. Um, so um, yeah, it was very slow and monetization in the early days was very simple as well. It was just AdSense um, and some Amazon affiliate marketing so in the early days, you were publishing it on WordPress and you were using um, some of the standard WordPress themes that anybody could download. Um, 
were you were you a professional photographer back then? Um, that that's important, I think, for our audience to know whether or not you had a special gift or something, or was this just kind of a hobby? I'm that guy in your friendship circle who everyone asks to photograph their parties and weddings because they can't afford a real photographer. <laughs> so, um, and I also was that guy who everyone went to when they were buying a camera, asking, you know, what sort of camera should I buy? I was an enthusiast. I read a lot. I knew enough, but I wasn't a pro. And when I started out, I, I purely wrote for beginners. It was very beginner level type content because I didn't have the expertise to write for professionals. So as the site developed, I was able to hire people who were professionals to write for that more advanced audience. Okay. So tell us where the site is now. Eight, excuse me. Eight years later, kind of give us a high level of what you've been able to build. Well, it's, it's become a lot more complicated as a site. Um, it's got around four and a half million unique visitors a month to it. Um, it's been redesigned three times and we now have a, a small team of developers working on it pretty much around the clock to keep it running and, and developing. Um, we monetize in a lot, um, a lot more complicated way. We still run some advertising networks to fill our remnant, remnant ads, but we also go directly to advertisers now and have fairly high-level advertisers, um, including people like Canon and um, Lexar and, and some of those sort of high-level um, photography products. Um, we also sell eBooks now as well, so we're monetizing through our own products. Mm. Um, we publish twice a day instead of two or three times a week, um, and there's a team of writers now that we pay, and there's some guest writers who um, just contribute to the site as well. Um, so it's it's become a lot more complex um, as it's grown, and it's become I guess my main focus. ProBlogger is my side project today, um, and DPS, as we call it, is is really the main thing. It's become I guess a lot more complicated too with social media as well, which opens up opportunities. But you know, wanting to engage on as many social networks as we can takes a lot of time and effort, and so I guess we've become a lot more strategic about that too. That's really cool. I mean, it sounds like you have a very similar editorial model to what we do at Social Media Examiner. We're also publishing two original articles a day. Can you kind of um, give us a little bit of high level of the editorial mix that goes into a typical week for you guys? Yeah, so we've got a bit of a pattern, I guess. We, there are certain things that happen every week. So we publish a newsletter every Thursday night, um, Australian time, um, which is sort of tips for the weekend as people start getting ready for their weekend. And that's really just a, a um, a summary of what we've published during the week as well as some of our golden oldies from the archives. Um, and then we're publishing two new posts a day um, and during the week there's certain things that we always do. So we always have a challenge at the end of the week where we give people an assignment to go away and take a photo on a theme and share that photo in the comments. And so that that um, challenge is usually something that builds upon a tutorial that we've published earlier in the week um, and or um, a an image collection that we've done earlier in the week. So we try to build three things into our editorial calendar. Information, so the tutorials. Um, inspiration, showing great photos that relate to those tutorials. And interaction, so go and take the information you've read, take the inspiration that you've received and experiment. Um, and what I've found is since we've moved to that information, inspiration, interaction kind of model, 
our readers actually are learning what we're teaching. They're not just gaining knowledge. They're actually, um, they've got a reason to take that knowledge on because they've been inspired. They're seeing something that actually makes them feel something. And they're much more likely to read the tutorial if they've had that inspiration. But then if you give them a challenge to go and do it, they actually implement the things that you're teaching them. And I've noticed that since we've been doing this sort of pattern every week, that readers are coming to us and saying, my photography has improved and that ultimately is the goal for me. I want to give our readers creative control of their cameras. That's my mission. I know if I can do that, they're going to start taking meaningful photos to them which makes them um, more more grateful for our site and have a deeper um, connection with our site. So information, interaction and inspiration are kind of the key things that we try and do every week. Probably 80 to 90% is information. Um, but we throw in uh, a little bit of spice of some inspiration and interaction as well. Cool. Um, just so I understand what you're referring to as a tutorial, I might refer to as a really detailed article, right? Are we talking about the same thing here or is there something different to a tutorial? Pretty much. It's, a, it's usually a how-to type um, style post. Some of them are really long and in-depth. We write p um, posts that go three or 4,000 words at times. Wow. But a lot of them are 500 words. Um, really, the length... We mix it up a lot and there's certainly no length that we have. We sometimes have to pay a little bit more for our writers to do those really in-depth ones. But um, I find that it's well worth doing that. In fact, the last year I reckon our longer form content has done better and better. So it seems to be a trend on both of my sites that long form is doing really well for us. Yeah, and you know um – just to reiterate, this is all free, right? I mean, this is not something anybody has to pay for. This is the kind of content people get every week from you for free, right? Yep, 14 posts every week, all free, um, and then summarized with our newsletter, which is also free. Yeah. So um, let's dig a little deeper into some of the things that you do that I've noticed, and you already alluded to one, which is the assignments. Um, I, I, when I when I was preparing for this interview, um, I saw that you were doing some sort of a weekly photography challenge with the color blue. So um, talk to me a little bit about how these assignments um, uh, might might be something other bloggers can do and kind of what lessons you've learned from them. And, you know, just kind of first describe a little bit more about what they are. Yeah, so it, it happens every weekend. It's usually something that relates to a tutorial that were written in the in the case of blue it, it didn't really because it's hard to write a tutorial about blue um, but sometimes we might do a, an assignment that is more technique related so take a long exposure um, photo um, and that would relate to a tutorial um, that a blue one we would have done an image collection the day before um, which would have been a whole heap of blue images to give people ideas and a bit of inspiration to do it um, so that idea really started probably back in 2007 when I just threw out a couple of them. They weren't weekly back then, but I noticed that our readers really love to show off. Um, they they love to show what they'd learnt. And so I just said, let's start doing it. And at the time, there weren't, weren't really the tools to show photos in comments. So I just encourage people to link to their Flickr page or link to, to their own blog. Um, and so this is a principle I've talked about quite a bit on ProBlogger is give your readers um, the opportunity to show off a little bit. A lot of people say don't um, that they don't like people leaving links in their comments, but 
sometimes it's actually good to give them an opportunity to do that and to promote themselves in some way. I find that they are much more likely to feel like they belong to a community if you if you allow them to do that. And so that's really where the idea came from. I think you could do it on a, on a variety of blogs. My wife has a fashion blog and she every now and again runs a challenge where she gets people to wear a certain color. So it may be the orange day and everyone posts their photos on Instagram of what they're wearing and it allows readers to show off but it also allows them to see each other which I think is really important as well get the sense that there's more than just them reading the site. And you're using the Discuss comment system which allows people to upload um, images directly into the Discuss comments if I'm not mistaken. Is there a winner or is it just kind of a place for people to come together and share these photographs? Occasionally, we'll have a sponsor throw in a prize for for it, um, but generally, for me, it's more about community and, and engagement. And we start to see the same people submitting the photos every week, and they get to know each other. So we've noticed our readers are starting to comment on each other's photos, and the threads of conversation are emerging as they get to know each other, which is kind of nice. Uh, you also have polls in your sidebar. Can you talk a little bit about why you do them? Yeah, there's two reasons. One, it's for engagement. Anything you can get your reader to do on your site makes them feel um, more connected and more likely to come back and see the result of what they've done. So they'll mm. come back and see the results of that. But probably just as important for me is that it teaches me heaps about my readers. And so we regularly run the same kind of polls, you know, what sort of what sort of post-processing software are you using? What type of camera do you use? What sort of lenses do you have? Those sorts of polls or discussion questions um, help me to go back to um, the reader profiles that we have. We, we've got these little avatar persona type things where we we have described our readers so that our writers can understand our readers and our av- advertisers as well. But when we run a poll, we're able to see if things are shifting, particularly in the in the gear space. We've noticed more and more of our readers are moving away from digital SLRs to smaller format cameras. Mm. So that's a trend that we need to, to understand in our readers so that we can then write content and, and find advertisers that fit that. So this is a very simple sidebar kind of multi multiple choice kind of plug-in. Do you actually reveal the results right there on the spot or do you just say thank you for filling out the survey? We reveal them on the spot and then we also, at the at the end of the month, we tend to do a month monthly poll. We'll do a post which describes the results and it will also describe any changes that we've seen. So our readers really love the fact that um, over time we do revisit topics um, and that gives us really interesting data and sometimes that data is also um, good research material that other blogs like to link to as well so if we notice how our readers have moved um, that's fascinating for the the wider industry and it, it becomes something that's shareable content and are you putting up like one poll a week or how often are you doing this we tend to do them monthly, but um, if we've got more that we want to know about our readers, we'll, we'll increase that frequency. Is there a particular piece of tech that you're using to be able to pull off the polls? No, I, it's just a poll, poll plug-in. Um, not sure which one we're using, but then I just usually get the results into Keynote and make gotcha. a nice graphic. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Now, you also have forums on your blog, which is something that is a bit of an old-school technology. I'm curious... Mm-hmm. Um, um, have you always had the forums? What purpose do they play? How is it different than what's in, happening on the comment section in your blog, for example? Yeah, it's really interesting. We started the forum because our readers 
demanded it, really. We had a Flickr group in the olden days back in 2006, um, which is, I guess, like a Facebook group today, um, but for photographers. And our readers loved that. Um, they showed off their photos and they had discussions, but it became pretty evident very quickly that they couldn't really um, set up categories for their discussions and, and discussions got lost very quickly. So they started telling us we need a forum. And back in 2006, forums were fairly popular. Um, and so I just set up a WordPress, uh, sorry, a vBulletin forum and invited our most um, addicted Flickr group users to join that as beta testers and, and got things moving and then we opened it up to everyone. And it's it's since then, it's it's not been the major part of the site. Um, it's probably getting about a tenth of the traffic of the blog, but it's got its own little community in there and a lot of them aren't actually reading the blog. A lot of them aren't making comments. A lot of them aren't on Facebook. They're just forum-type people. And so I'm more than happy to keep it open and we've, you know, updated it and refreshed it and added features over the years. It's probably not my number one priority on the site, but it's certainly added a lot of um, community to that, you know, the wider community, I guess. And, and particularly there's just certain types of personalities who I think will never probably go to Facebook or never comment on a blog, but they just love to be in a forum. Yeah. And, you know, there's really is something to that. Like at Social Media Examiner, um, we have a LinkedIn group, which is essentially just the same as a forum. And I, 25 to 30,000 people are, are part of that. And um, there is something to allowing people to go and get advice from their peers. And I think it does alleviate a little bit of the pressure off of your shoulders, I would imagine, right? Because you can send them over to the forums instead of, instead of Darren Ross being the one that gets 10,000 email requests a day, right? Exactly. And, you know, it takes a little bit of work to moderate it. So we've got a little a team in there um, that, that does that. But they're gen mainly just people who love that forum. And so they've made it what it is. Now, in hindsight, would you add a forum if you were to start a blog today? Or what are your, what's your advice to those that are listening? I think it's, it's yeah, it probably depends on the niche. I think in photography, forums are still a biggish thing. I mean, a lot of photographers are also on Google Plus or on Facebook and, and have their own blogs, but forums is something that still still seems to be fairly strong and there's a, a, a few other photography um, forums around that are huge, um, particularly if you're able to share comments and, sorry, share your photos and and that's a technology that most of them have, yeah. Awesome. Now, you have some really cool plugins on your site and I know some of them you've developed yourself. Um but I just want to go through a couple of them. Um, on your sidebar, um, as you scroll down the page, you have this unique ability that I've not seen on a lot of other sites that essentially allows some of the items in the sidebar to come down and remain persistent as you're scrolling through your long articles. What functionality is that? Is that something you've developed? Is that something um, that where, where can we find out more about adding that kind of functionality to an existing blog? Sure. So that idea came really as I, um, as we did our last redesign of the blog um, on digital photography school, we started asking, you know, how do we want our site to function? And we started brainstorming and that idea came up. I'd seen it, uh, I don't know where, but uh, on other sites as well. And so I got the guys who were designing our blog, who are also developers, to start thinking about plugins that they could develop. Um, that one is run by a, a plugin we call the Communicator. Um, which we ha do have available in our problogger.com community. 
um, if you sign up for that, you get it for free. And it, it enables you to do a whole heap of things, one of which is floating sidebars that come down the page once you get to a certain point in the article. But it also allows things like light boxes and pop-ups and um, exit light boxes if you want them, um, end of post options, things appear, different parts of, of the site. Um, so there's a whole heap of functionality there. And I guess it's for, for us, it's about trying to work out what what do we want people to see when they get to an, the end of an article? What do we want to be on the page? And if you can deliver something different there um, at the end or at different key points as people are scrolling, um, you can increase either page views or sign-ups to a newsletter or seeing an advertiser or seeing your ebook, whatever it might be. So yeah, it's, it's sort of given that functionality. I could see this being really valuable. Um, for example, in our case at Social Media Examiner, we try to get people onto our email newsletter and I think mm -hmm. uh, we've got about 280,000. I know you've got almost a million people on your email newsletter. Um, and I would imagine with this plugin, you could essentially allow something that's critical or let's say you have an event or something that you're selling and you want people to be able to see it um, as they scroll on the page. I would imagine, can you take any widget and just essentially say, okay, this widget is going to be the widget that's going to appear as people scroll? Is that kind of how it works? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. You that can you can put in whatever you want. And it really, it's about whatever your key call to action is for your, your blog. That is so cool. Now, what? how are you using it on digital photography school? Gosh, we're trying all, all kinds of things. So what's actually showing there today, I'm not sure. But um, we've been trying ebooks. We've been trying our newsletter. We've been trying advertiser messages. And we offer that as a an advertising package to certain advertisers. Gotcha. Um, all the things that I've mentioned, we're, we're trying and testing. Is, has it yeah. been working well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we've we've certainly seen um, our email subscribers go up when we've used that. But it, I guess the question for us is we don't want to clutter that space. You want to have 20 th different things showing at the end. So right. it's about trying to work out what the priority is at any given point in time. And so, at the moment, we've got an ebook launch. So I suspect it's probably showing the ebook um, at the moment. So if people want to get this plug in, um, they become a member of the ProBlogger community. Where would you send them to find out more about that? Yeah, so you can see, um, you can go to problogger.com. That is the membership part. Problogger.net is our free blog. Um, but if you go to problogger.com slash download dash center, you'll find all the plugins that we've developed. There's actually seven of them um, there, some of which are very small things like Facebook tracking conversion pixel um, plugin, which just helps you when you, you want to do Facebook advertising and target people who've been on certain pages on your blog. Um, we've got one there called the Sticky Top Bar Messenger where you show something right across the top of your blog and it could be, a, again, it could be an email sign up or a, a message or an announcement of a new blog. Um, there's a, a Flickr plugin there where you can suck in a whole heap of Flickr images onto your blog. Um, there's a few different ones there. Now, is there any other plugins that you're using that um, maybe you just discovered in the last months or so that, that you're pretty excited about? Sure. So one of them that we've been using a lot lately is Easy Digital Downloads, which we're moving all our um, ebook sales from eJunkie through to that, and that manages all our ebook sales within WordPress. Um, we use the WordPress editorial calendar, and particularly in digital photography school where we've got so much content going up and that helps us to visualize that. And, um, my editor really loves that. Well, uh, hold on for a second. What is the WordPress editorial calendar? Is that like edit flow or is it something different? 
Um, it enables you to see any posts that you have scheduled um, and um, sort of as a calendar, almost like a, an ah. iCal doc. Um, and you can drag and drop them around. So you can say, I want that one now on this day rather than going into the post and editing it. You can just drag it to a new day. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of cool. So our editor loves that one. <laughs> awesome. Um, last question for you is about how you monetize digital photography school. You kind of hinted uh, at the early part of this interview that you have um, you've got eBooks and you also mentioned that you've got sponsors. Can you kind of kind of give us a high level of how you're monetizing the site and mostly to inspire others to know kind of how they might be able to do it for their own blog. Yeah. So I actually gave a talk at um, our event here in Australia a few days ago and I went through a list of 40 different ways you can monetize a blog. So there's heaps of them out there. I've experimented with most of them over the years, but today uh, it, it varies a little bit from month to month depending upon what we're launching, but eBooks tend to be our number one, um, income stream. We have 21 now on Digital Photography School. Wow. Um, all of them are ebooks um, except for two which are more printables. So mm. we have their posing printables. Um, we try and launch four to five of those every year. So over time that really adds up and, and leaves you with a, a great little library that you can then be, do cross-selling and bundling and, and author packs. Um, so that's one. Um, advertising is the other. So we sell direct to advertisers but also fill our remnant ads with AdSense or other ad networks. Um, and then there's affiliate promotions. So we do a little bit of Amazon still. We still link to cameras on Amazon or other camera stores. There's a couple that we use. But the main affiliate stuff we do is where we promote other people's ebooks and courses or membership sites and there's so many of those in the photography space at the moment that we actually now started a, a sister site to Digital Photography School called Snap and Deals, which is almost like a deals site for photographers. And we have three or four deals every week go up on that. And then at the end of the year on Digital Photography School, we do um, our 12 days of Christmas promotion where we have 12 deals over 12 days. Um, and they are a mix of our own ebooks and affiliate. Um, promotions and that's our biggest month of the year now i would imagine and i could be wrong um your blog is definitely larger than social media examiner but i would imagine that advertisers and sponsors really isn't the core of your income it's probably all the other things that you do is that a safe assumption um it it varies a little bit from month to month um ebooks if we're launching an ebook by far it's the biggest but um yeah, in the lead up to Christmas, advertisers tend to go in a bit of a frenzy, so it, it can can actually be quite good. We offer them banner ads, but we also do newsletter ads, and we run competitions as well. and And sometimes they can be quite um, lucrative uh, as a as a publisher. So yeah, it goes up and down. But but like just go good old fashioned Google AdSense isn't really what's keeping your site alive. It sounds like you're doing very customized kind of promotions, right? It's surprising. Um, Google, when we were running Google um, for a full month um, a few months ago um, because we didn't have any direct ad sales, Google was amazed. Like They actually came to us and said, we've never seen a site convert like you. So we tend to do really well with AdSense. Um, we're getting quite high CPMs, mm. which I've never seen on any other sites. And I think it's because we have quite a um, high-level topic and, um, yeah, we're being targeted by advertisers. So it actually... Every time I mention an AdSense, people go, oh, you know, why would you run it? But it's 
it's hard to beat in terms of direct sales even sometimes. Well, and, I, and I'm pretty confident that, uh, I mean, we use Google AdSense to a limited extent on our blogs. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, don't they give 85% of the revenue or 87% or something like that to to you? And they keep like 15 to 17%. Isn't that kind of the typical deal with them? Yeah, I don't actually know what the number is. I've heard a variety of numbers, but um, yeah, they yeah, they actually do. They actually that's publicly accessible okay. information. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. they they do give the vast majority to you, and they kind of make their money on the margin, kind of like Costco here in America. You know, sells things at a really low margin, but they make it up in volume. Um, one thing that I think is important for everyone to know is that unless you have a blog with a crazy loyal following like you do, Darren, I mean, it's true that. Isn't it true, I mean, that AdSense, if you're building a blog with the hope of making a lot of money on AdSense, um, it may not, in the long run, be very successful for many blogs. Is that a fair assessment? Do you think you're kind of an anomaly when it comes to digital photography school? And like I said, you know, Google were amazed (laughs) at how we were converting at the time. It's traffic, really, and the topic. Um, And Google, I mean, AdSense is increasingly working, moving towards retargeting. So I'm sure the majority of our advertisers, uh, our readers aren't actually seeing photography ads. They're they're seeing things based upon where they've been previously. So that's changing that game quite a bit in terms of your topic. But um, yeah, if you can build a, a brand that advertisers want to, align themselves with um i think it's probably best to go more direct ad sales but adsense can be a a nice filler as well um and i've seen a lot of bloggers who have quite small traffic but really good topics um almost make a full-time living from selling products off it so i'd I'd certainly start with that particularly if you've got a how-to type um blog darren the last question is where can people discover more about you and and your various websites yeah, so probably the best place to go is problogger.net. That's where all our free content goes. And then the problogger.com, which is our community, we do a couple of webinars there every month and have all these plugins and a forum. And then Twitter is at problogger and Facebook is facebook.com slash problogger. Awesome. And then, of course, to get to digital photography school, it's just digital-photography-school.com. That's right. Darren Rouse, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your story with my audience. And hopefully people get inspired and and want to take their blog to the next level. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today. Love catching up with you. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. You can find the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 112. That's where pretty much everything we mentioned, all the plugins, you can find everything, all the links there. You can also leave any comments for myself or Darren. Also, be sure never to miss a future episode of this podcast. If you're not already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button uh, in iTunes or whatever, whatever technology you're using to listen to this podcast. Also, um, if you're willing and you haven't already done so, can you give us a rating and or a review? on iTunes. It's very easy. Socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. This brings us to the end of the social media marketing podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. 
We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.